Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, PCC. Ooh, there's some life there. Did everybody have a good Christmas? Good. Hey, uh, it is great to be with you as we wrap up, as Peter said, our um, December 2019 final message in this Christmas present series. And we've been talking about things that we need to let go of. And so let's talk about something really easy, which is bitterness. So that's how we're going to end today is, hey, how do we let go of bitterness, right? Uh, We also have kids with us because it's Kids Sunday. And kids, I'm going to need your help here in a little bit because this is actually for two of you. Okay, so I'm going to need two people's help here in a little bit, kids. So if you got PJs on and you're ready to help, I might need you on stage. I'll call you up in just a second. But um, one of the things that you need to know about this conversation is, for me, um, I deeply believe in the reality of who Jesus is. I believe he's God himself. I believe he's transformed my life, that in that transformation, there is a greater kingdom, a greater way of living that we're called to. And I actually believe the Bible is not just a list of moral rules. It's God's very breath. So you're getting that from me today. If you're with us and visiting and you're just saying, hey, I'm, I'm here with family or I'm just kind of checking out, I want to be able to share with you a little bit about really what those of us that call ourselves Christ followers believe in. And so we'll be talking about that throughout the day. Now, bitterness. Where do you really want to start with that conversation, right? Um, I don't know about you, but uh, Christmas always brings out some of the best marketing and commercials. Uh, my wife's a brand strategist, so it's always fun to watch things with her and hear how she processes things. Um, I'm usually the guy on the couch that says, well, that's dumb. For example, um, every year there's this one commercial, Lexus puts it out, right? It's this one. Like, and if this is you, great, but I've actually never met this couple. Like I've never met the couple that that had the car in the driveway in the snowy cabin resort on Christmas morning. I've definitely never been that person, but it's one of those moments. I laugh at this every year because for me, here's why. There's a bit of marketing strategy within this that goes, hey, this makes Christmas great. And we as parents have to wrestle with this with our kids because what happens around Christmas time is the, the Christmas list. And if something isn't provided under the tree or in the stocking that's on that list, what can happen to kids? Come on now, it's okay. We can talk in church. Yeah, there's devastation. I love that word, Marty. There's like this, oh my goodness, what really happened? Uh, If you're with us on Christmas Eve, Gary asked the question of kids. Well, actually, Monica and I did. We asked the question of kids, like, what's on your Christmas list this year? We heard a bunch of different things like robots and airsoft and Nerf and Legos. The question this morning could be, did you not get something you really wanted? Kids, let's put you on the spot here. Did you not get something you really wanted? What did you not get that you really wanted? A camera. camera. You did not get a camera. Are you doing okay this morning? Yeah. What would you like to do with the camera? Take a lot of pictures. Yeah. Here's what's crazy. That is now a camera, right? 
It's interesting. Borrow mom's phone. I'm going to give, I'm going to let mom give you permission to take pictures today. Okay. All right. We'll see how that goes. But no, it's interesting, right? There's these moments that we want certain things. And if we don't get them, there is devastation. There's frustration. Uh, for me personally, I would never want the Lexus in my driveway. Nothing against Lexus. I am a Toyota fan. I would prefer the Airstream. So if you're looking for a last minute gift of someone that didn't get an Airstream in their, you know, driveway, feel free. 2642 Carolina Avenue. Um, but I do have to tell you about something that happened to me when I was 10. Uh, 10-year-old Danny really wanted the gift that was going to make his world amazing. In fact, it was going to make me be the best self I would ever be. Because 10-year-old Danny had been watching marketing ploys, knowing that this is the gift that will make my year end amazing. And when I go back to school after Christmas break, I will be the 10-year-old that everybody else wants to hang out with. Not that I wrestled with insecurity growing up about people wanting to be friends with me, but I had an obsession about this. An obsession that absolutely was going to make or break 10-year-old Danny. I'm 39. It's 29 years later. It's a little bit of a like little sore memory. Here's the gift. This was it right here. WWF wrestle buddy. Here's why. It stood all of two foot tight. It was full of stuffing that you could beat up and you could do the people's elbow. You could do the Rochambeau off the high line. You could do whatever you wanted to do to the wrestle buddy because that's what it was made for. If you really want some fun, go on YouTube and pull up the old wrestle buddy video. You will kind of chuckle at going, oh my gosh, that really was the thing. But here's the deal. I did not get this. I didn't get it. Every time I went to grab a gift that looked like it could be the size, there's only five of them underneath the tree that year. It was like, oh my goodness, this isn't it. And I was distraught. And I contorted my face one more time. And my grandmother looked at me and was like, what's wrong? I'd open another gift and it wouldn't be it. And I would be frustrated. My mom would go, knock it off. I was in this moment where every gift I opened was not the wrestle buddy. And I was angry. I was bitter. I was distraught. I had all these feelings of emotions in 10-year-old Danny going, my Christmas is ruined. And I acted that way. I don't know about you, but um, my grandma had a few phrases whenever we acted a certain way. And one of them was, dear child. But it was never said sweet-like. It was like, dear child, come on now. You got new shoes. You got a new scarf. You got a new dress shirt. You can wear all that the first day back to school. But see, what they did not realize was that was not going to make 10-year-old Danny super popular. I was not going to make 10-year-old Danny look amazing with all of his friends and peers. The Russell buddy was going to do that. So pre-social media, kids, I know it's a weird world, pre-social media, but you had to wait until you got back to school and like the lunch table at back to school, day one was sharing all the stuff. And my mom made me wear the dress shirt and new shoes to school that day so I'd be proud of the gift I got. She didn't understand the ruin moment that that was because all my friends are talking about all their wrestle buddies that they got and one friend got Jake the Snake Roberts. For those of you WWF friends, you remember that name? And I was sitting there very quiet, not wanting to talk about a shirt, not wanting to talk about my shoes. I wanted to be bitter. And see, here's something that I want us to wrestle with today. It's this. Bitterness has a unique way of biting us and seeping a poisonous venom into how we think and act about life. Read it again. Bitterness has a unique way of biting us and seeping a poisonous venom into how we think and act about life. And if I were to ask the question, is bitterness really a way to live? I think everybody in this room would say, no, it's not. It really can be destructive. But what do we do? And what do we do with that? What do we do when bitterness creeps in? Um, 
I have a conviction, and I think it's this, that bitterness is really just one step past jealousy. I think bitterness is just really one step past jealousy. See, there's something in us that triggers whenever we live in this world of chronic comparison. There's something in us that says, hey, um, I wonder what I'm missing out on that other people are enjoying. Uh, I wonder what happens when they get the bow of the car in their driveway and I'm still driving the 1994 Volvo. I wonder what happens when there's different life status of those around me, regardless of what phase of life you're in, that there's different unspoken rules that we're playing by. It's like this weird video game or board game where you just, age 28, you should be married and should be able to have your startup take off by now. Age 48, man, that retirement portfolio should look really good by now because you've made all these great financial investments. Age 68, retirement looks sweet and all your kids and grandkids and all the connection pieces, like they feel good, especially now at the holidays and you're able to enjoy that season of life. And wherever you land on it, it's like this unknown game that I think our culture plays with us. Kids, you actually know this really well. Kids, you actually sniff this out faster than adults because adults try to pretend they don't know what's going on. Kids, you just call it out as it is because when you have a friend that gets something you want, you feel something well up inside of you. You see someone playing with something that you would like to be able to play with. There's something in you. You were a really good athlete at a point in time and all of a sudden you see someone else make the team that you didn't make. Something wells up inside of you and it's jealousy. And kids, often you don't know it's jealousy until someone points it out. And this morning, we're going to call that out. That bitterness is one step past jealousy. So what are the triggers that we need to be aware of? All right, I need two kids. I need two kids. You guys, come on. You guys are already on stage dancing. You're going to stay. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up, Lofgrens. Here we go. All right. Oh, crushing the PJ jammy morning. Okay, here, we're going to have one of you stand on. What's your name? Devin. Devin and? Ginger. Ginger. Okay. Ginger, you're older, so we're going to let you, because I'm an older brother as well, you get to decide what box you get and what box your brother gets. Okay? All right? So, do you want the Santa Claus? No, you want the snowman. Okay, hold on to that just for a second. Okay? You're going to hold on to that. Now, both of you, do you like chocolate? Yeah. No allergies? No. Okay, good. All right. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to open that. Go to open your lid. Okay. Now, I'm giving you permission to eat some chocolate. But, oh, dude, it's good. Five second rule. (laughs) We call it the 30 second rule in our house, but I'm just going to do the five second rule here, okay? Do you think that's good? No, you don't. Why? Because it's opened. Okay, well, I had to, like, there's three services and there's three different gatherings, so I had to have a box for every gathering, so I'm the one who actually broke it into, see, his is open too, okay? Do you think it's good? It's chocolate. How could it not be good, right? Okay, can you both take a bite of your chocolate? You can put the box down right here. Gotcha. There's a smile there. How is that? How's that? 
Is it good? Yeah. Can you let your sister try a bite of that? Oh, he thought about that. Did you see that? That one is better. That one is better. Was that fair? So you have what's called baker's chocolate. It's unsweetened. See all those adults? They know what I just did to you. That's why I have the water right here. Now, that one's way better, right? Now, here's what's really funny. We're kids Sunday, so if you're like, I need to spit that out, that's what the box is for. There you go. Good job. Okay? You may have the water. That's what it's there for. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to get this other half of chocolate. That's why there's two squares, because you got to have something good, right? Now, this was your good piece, okay? All right, now, quick question. You made a choice, though, right? You got to choose. Are you second-guessing that choice right now? You're like, oh, I wish I would have had that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ginger, Devin, thanks for helping out. Here you go. You want some water, too? And don't forget to brush your teeth. Okay? Sometimes jealousy can come from a simple choice we made. Here's some thoughts that some friends and I over coffee were talking about this message. Was there a missed moment of opportunity that kicked in jealousy? Was there a relationship that you thought was going to go a certain way and it never did? Was there a missed financial investment of investing in Amazon and Apple when your senior year econ teacher suggested you do so and you've done the math too many times to see how much you should have at the bank today? Guilty as charged. Maybe it's an outfit someone fits in better than you. Maybe it's a family dynamic you have to deal with that no one else has to deal with. Maybe it's ongoing unanswered prayers. Maybe it's a blindsided life change. Maybe it's that one more Airstream Instagram ad. What is an unfair reality that we tend to find ourselves dwelling on? See, here's what's interesting about a life with Jesus. In the life with Jesus, what happens is our world gets flipped upside down. Jesus is constantly calling his people to live in a countercultural way to the world around them. But yet so often what we're consumed with, what we see in the day-to-day of the office and the family rhythm and the school rhythm and the work rhythm is we see what other people get to have. And sometimes the projected reality we think their world's really about affects how we process what God's up to in us. And we miss opportunities that the Lord would have for us because we often are jealous of what is happening somewhere else. We all are victims of this. We all are guilty of this. We all have moments that we go, ah, that's, I'm being jealous right now. And what happens with Christ is he calls us to stop living one way and redirect to another way. That's essentially the definition of repentance, to stop living this way, to turn and go this way. And what happens with Christ is we're called to an ongoing transformational life. We never actually reach where we're supposed to be. We're bound by finite bodies. We're bound by finite thinking. And we're in a world that's broke. And we often don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about the fact that no matter where we stand on certain life topics, the world we live in will never be the way we project it to want to be. And that can be a hangup for many of us. It can be a wrestle point for so often that we don't ever pause to say, could there be a different way of thinking about this? And I think bitterness is one step past jealousy because the jealousy comes to a point that we actually don't guard ourselves from it. We, never, we don't often learn that muscle. We don't learn that skill to go, oh, I'm being jealous. If I take this another step farther, will it turn into bitterness? And if it turns into bitterness, will it affect how I interact with those around me? 
Peter read from Ephesians, and we're going to go back there. And if you've got your pew Bible or wherever, I have the number of the pew Bible in front of me if you want to follow along. It's 1176. But Ephesians is a unique book. It's actually one of my favorite epistles Paul wrote because Ephesians, well, let me just give you a little bit of detail about it. It was a wealthy city, an incredible city of influence in the Mediterranean. It was an ancient port city. And then the ruins that are preserved to this day, it's just right on the Turkish coast. It was considered one of the most important cities in the Greek world. It was highly educated. We know that there were medical institutes there. It was a trade port. It had the convergence of the known Greek and Roman world hitting it all the time. People would leave Ephesus and go into other parts of the world and influence that. And that sounds a little familiar of where we're at in the peninsula. Paul wrote to the church there. He wrote to the church to say, if you're following Christ, let me remind you what not to do because of who Christ is. Not what not to do for morality, but what not to do because of who Christ is. Pick up in verse 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let me just pause right there for a second. There's a lot of discussion around this terminology, grieve the Holy Spirit. Specifically here, what Paul is talking about is when you hear God speak, don't say no. Hebrews says it this way, if you hear the Lord's voice today, do not harden your heart. He's saying, if you hear God's spirit moving in you, if you hear God's spirit nudging you, if you hear God's spirit convicting you, if you hear God's spirit encouraging you, if you hear God himself who has created you with purpose and meaning, directing you towards that purpose and meaning, don't ignore that. Don't grieve what God is trying to do in you. Why? Because of the redemptive work of Christ. See, the death and resurrection of Jesus was not just for, it's not even a good storybook, let's be honest. Like it's really brutal and gruesome. It's that ability to go, hey, when you know who Jesus is, when you know what life's about and God's spirit rests in you and around you, listen, pay attention so that the life you live reflects that. He goes on and says this. He says, get rid of, uh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. That's an interesting list. And the get rid of is action-based language Paul is using. It's self-action-based language. It's accountability that, hey, you actually know what is bitterness. You know what is rage. You know what is anger. You know what is envy. You know what is malice. These evil intentions, this angry way of living, this mental way of thinking that can be self-consuming. Get rid of it. He's not saying work harder. He's not saying try harder. He's saying listen to God's spirit. If you're kind of eavesdropping on what being a follower of Christ is about, It is actually saying, I'm not God. See, one of the unique aspects, and this is a whole different message for another day, one of the unique aspects in our culture right now is the identity of evangelicalism is getting played with. So let's throw that out the window and let's sit down and go, hey, Jesus, what do you call people to? 
Because if you're God who created life and you created life for a purpose and in purpose and meaning, there's actually fulfillment. And if you're the pinnacle of that fulfillment, then we're gonna walk that backwards. When we follow you and we have purpose and meaning and we know our identity is in you, then what you say and where you lead, we're gonna obey. See, being a follower of Christ means that I'm gonna obey who Christ is, not the projected ideal of what I want it to be. And there's a really challenge, it's really challenging because what we see in our world is like, yeah, but you should get this. You should have this. You should be entitled to that. And that's a hard spot to sit. And that's why living counterculturally with Christ, it's not about try harder, it's not about do more. It's about being obedient. And being obedient, we sit back and go, hey, if with Christ's help, I can be transformed then what does my life look like? And that's where Paul says, and what we can know is verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another. When I'm jealous, it's hard for me to be compassionate for another human being. When I know the bitterness in me over certain life dynamics is a controlling mental way of thinking and, and how I act from it, it's really hard for me to look at another human being and honor them with compassion because bitterness and jealousy comes first. But if I can look at another human being and go, man, the story that you're living out with Christ, that's an amazing opportunity that you have to honor God that way. When I look at another human being and go, man, the life that you're living and you don't know Christ, the riches of the world doesn't matter if your soul's in turmoil. But see, when I'm also able to forgive one another, why? Just as Christ forgave me. This is the pinnacle of what Paul's writing about. Because of what Christ has done in you, your life should be different. A little earlier, I suggested the question, do we want to live with bitterness? And I would say, no. So what does it look like to let go of bitterness? What does it look like to let go of something? And um, as we were talking about this series, this Christmas presents, and this one came up, this is like, oh my gosh, this is like an hour and a half easy type conversation. So for some of you, I know where I'm at. I'm like skirting over where you really want me to go. Because some of you are asking questions, but how? Like, I really would love to not live with bitterness. I really would love to let go of the family dynamic that eats at me. I would love to let go of the fact that finances aren't where they should be or supposed to be. I would love to let go of a lot of stuff. And there's some of you going, yeah, but how? And I'm going to suggest two things. They're not prescriptive. I'm just going to suggest two things. But the other thing I want to address is, hey, I think there's always a dynamic around a conversation that says, hey, if how you're living isn't working for you, if you're being self-consumed by things, they just go, man, it's just not fulfilling for me. Is there another way? I want to take a moment and just share with you what we as Christ followers would call the gospel. The fact that we come to a place in our lives that we're done. And when I say we're done, we just know that it's not working. There's no self-fulfillment. There's no, there is no gratification from the things that's just temporary. There's a question around what does it look like to live in such a way with passion and purpose? And if you're here today and that's you, 
Let me just share this. Let me share with you the fact that you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers to finances, to family, to your own life. That's actually not how we were designed. See, we're designed to be able to sit back and trust that if God created with a purpose, that I'm the pinnacle of that purpose. It's relational care. It's relational dynamics. It's relationship with him. And to have that relationship with him, here's what I came to as an 18-year-old to say, I'm done trying to do my own thing. I'm, trying to, I'm done trying to be Lord of my own life. I'm, try, I'm done trying to have the ultimate control. And here's what I've had to do weekly since. God, I'm not God, I'm not you. So I'm gonna trust that what you have in store is worth the risk of faith. I'm gonna trust that when you nudge and encourage and convict, that it's worth it. And for some of you, that may be the spot you need to come to the end of a decade to start a new decade going, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to follow you. How I've been living life, it's not where I want to be. And it's not status related. It's actually heart related. And in a second, I'm going to come back to that conversation. But for those that say, hey, but how do I let go? I've got two suggestions. And again, they're not prescriptive. They're just suggestions. One of them is this. If bitterness can bite us and seep this poisonous venom into how we think and act, we got to know our trigger. We got to know when callousness comes in. And I think bitterness is a callous choice we make. I've spent 19 years working with kids and teens. They know what bitterness is. And in fact, kids, let me just address you real quick. If bitterness is something you live with, it's going to smell like the garbage you didn't take out last night after raw chicken got put in there. It's going to stink. It's going to smell. It's going to affect your heart and your mind. And kids, you actually know how destructive it could be because most of you kids have been the product of someone else's bitterness. But kids, what you need help with is you need adults, peers, you need healthy parents, guardians in your life that go, hey, let's stop and pause. Where's this coming from? Oh, this is stemming from jealousy. You've taken another step. So let's just pause and let's talk this out. Parents, are you regularly checking in with your kids how they're doing? Parents, are you regularly checking in to go, hey, what does it look like for you when they get angry, frustrated, they get jealous over things, to actually talk that out. For the rest of us, who in our life can we trust with that conversation? That's one of the suggestions. Who in your life can you trust with that conversation? Who in your life can you trust like, hey, here's what I've been thinking. Carlos earlier said, hey, we actually believe that community groups, groups that meet together, that do life together, that's Real life. That's real talk. What does it look like to have people that you go, hey, we're in this together? The second suggestion is this. Are you willing to listen to God's spirit? When you feel God's spirit nudge you, as the hymn we sang beforehand, Lord, we want to see you, we want to hear you. 
Are you willing to just obey? Obedience to God's spirit does create life change. Marty's going to come up and close us in a song. But as he does this, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask for you to think about something. Often we ask for a physical response just because the thoughts in our heads can be misleading. And sometimes putting a physical response to a mental action allows it to be real. That's a moment we can go, oh, I, I remember this spot. And so if you're wrestling with bitterness today, I'm just going to ask you, just go, hey, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Here's why. I want to pray with you throughout the day. Eyes are closed. No one's peeking around. I know there's a vulnerability in that, but if you're like, hey, I I am, I'm wrestling with bitterness. We'd love to be praying with you. Thanks for those that acknowledge that. I'm going to be mindful to be praying for you. For others, maybe you're in a spot that you are genuinely saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want this next week to this next year to be lived in a different way than I ever have before. And Jesus, I don't even know what this looks like, but I want to say, God, I'm going to surrender me for you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask that you just do the same thing. You just slip your hand in the air. Come to a spot going, Jesus, I don't want to try to fight me being in charge. God, I want to trust you. Lord, on behalf of the fact that you are God and you've created, we thank you for the day that we have and the conviction of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Jesus, that what you're up to full of joy and peace. And Jesus, we want that. God, as we close out a a decade, we look forward to seeing how you're going to move in the next. But God, even just today, may you show us where jealousy and bitterness outweigh the peace that you can give. We pray this in your name. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.